The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Are your kids good at wearing their masks or are they just kind of? Oh, yeah, they're super good. I mean, my my son, who's 14, has kind of gotten he's pretty fucking funny, actually. Like he's getting irritated with like the lack of logic in some of these mask rules. Like we would go out. um we went out to eat in Ohio and, you know, there's a bunch of us and they, you know, they wouldn't even let us in the front door without our masks like pulled up, which is fine. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to wear it to your seat. But then at this one restaurant, normally, like once you're, you're, you're seated, you can take it off because then you read the menu and you order and blah, blah, blah. So then another place was like, you can't take it off until until the waitress or waiter the server whoever comes and takes your order and cameron was like that's so weird like are they like a corona repellent like (laughs) is that why and then like he got up to go to the bathroom at one point and they like sent him back for his mask and he's like oh so like corona knows like the pathways to the bathroom and that's where they hang out so like that's where (laughs) i'm really likely to either get it or transmit it but once i'm sitting in my seat then we have like this invisible bubble i'm like fucking cameron stop being so snarky like i love you and i love like i love that you're seeing the flawed logic in this but now is also not the time (laughs) Like, don't cause a scene, please. Well, and then, uh, and then at the same place, I needed mustard, and I was like, "Do you guys have mustard?" And he's like, "We don't have little packets because you know everything's in little packets now." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. Cameron's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm glad to see that the one-use plastic is still such an environmental issue now." I'm like, "Shut up, son." <laughs> but then, um, so the, the dude brought me, um, like a little mustard, just a regular bottle, but like a tiny one, like a bodega-sized one, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached out for it. He's like, oh no, I cannot hand this to you. That's illegal. And like the dude was even rolling his eyes and Cameron was like, oh my gosh. And so he like, <laughs> he set it down on the table and I picked it up. I'm all, well, it's kind of like a drug deal, right? Like I, you can't pass me the stuff. I have to accidentally drop it and you just have to have to happen to pick it up. And he's all exactly. It's totally like a, your money's on the nightstand kind of situation. <laughs> and we were all <laughs> cracking up or like, okay, at least like we can all be compliant but also see the humor in some of this because if you don't see the humor what are you gonna do (laughs) (laughs) it crushes you beneath its uh weight right wait what sorry i missed what you said you cut out for a second i said it it, it crushes you beneath its weight yes exactly exactly it would if you if you try to take everything so serious especially when literally everything changes every day, like there's so many teachers up in arms about, well, last week you told us that we had to do this. And now you're telling us, I'm like, well, yeah, because nobody knows what the fuck is going on. We're all, we all have to flow with how this changes and it's changing every day. So guess what? Things are going to change 27 more times between now and the first day of school. And that like Mm -hmm. expecting any of it to make sense doesn't make sense. And then expecting to ever be on top of this and in control of it. Like if you're not flexible about your shit, you're going to, you're going to (laughs) die. Like you're going to be really miserable in your existence because there's literally nothing we can do about it except ride the wave where it takes us. Mm -hmm. Insert drum roll. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 14 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. 
Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon, your host, and today I have my guest, Deborah McMurtry, coming back. Hello. Hi, how are you? I am doing well, and how are you? I am hanging in there. Oh, yeah, aren't we all? Hang in there, baby. <laughs> Little kitty there. Uh, today, we're talking about the Pearl Jam cover-ish. Uh, I know, that's why I was like, is it a cover? Is it not a cover? Is it an accompaniment? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the song Catholic Boy by Jim Carroll, which they perform with Jim Carroll on the Basketball Diary soundtrack that was released in uh, 1995. Mm -hmm. And uh, the song was originally done by the Jim Carroll band off their debut album called Catholic Boy. Like boy <laughs> from 1980, I believe, correct? Yeah, and that uh, that album had the song "People Who Died," which is a whole lot more popular than uh, than this song. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I mean, it's nice because you know the the Pearl Jam backed version of Catholic Boy, you know, kind of kicks off the movie. Like mm -hmm. that's the opening scene happens, and then and then the opening credits, and when they're all running around being silly boys. Um, that's when the song plays, which is really cool. But then, like, the People That Died song is just at such a bigger emotional climax of the movie. And it is a little more catchy. It's a little <laughs> less um, negative, <laughs> so to speak. Wait, the song People Who Died is less negative? I mean, I think... Okay, so honestly, okay, so People Who Died, to me, it almost seems like like Jim's going through an inventory of like shit that happened. And then in, in my perspective, or at least the way that, that I interpreted it as a what almost 16 year old kid when the movie came out, um, cause this is one of my all time favorite movies, um, was like almost learn from their mistakes kind of thing. Or like, I don't, I don't want to end up like them, which is interesting because I think that's kind of, I don't think it has anything to do with the song, but I feel like that's the direction Jim Carroll went with it and it's it's funny little sidetrack story when i was like um 14 or 15 years old i know it was 1994 um i was out in palm springs with my family and we used to always go to the crown bookstore and i was in the poetry section and i just would randomly like drag my finger across the spines of books and just like stop somewhere and then pull it out and read like a couple pages and if it was something i thought i'd be into i'd buy it so one night i i stopped on a jim carroll book and a Leonard Cohen book. And I had no clue who these people were at the time. And then, you know, of course, Nirvana and give me a Leonard Cohen afterworld. And that kind of made me dive into it. And then Tori Amos is a humongous fan and has covered stuff. And, you know, she was 
Pearl Jam and Tori raised me, so that was interesting mm-hmm. that she latched onto it. And then Basketball Diaries came out, and then Pearl Jam, of course, does Catholic Boy with them with him. And I just was like, how random that like these two very influential people to the people that are influential to me. I just happened to pick out randomly in a bookstore. So, and I I had even written something myself once because you know i'm a girl and girls usually write stuff to process things but um i was reflecting on on something at some point because i of course latched on more to leonard cohen than jim carroll and i i had made a comment about how um i'm glad that i relate to to the man destroyed by love rather than the man destroyed by drugs yeah, I mean, you, you're you're a teenager. You're like, I got feelings. I got emotions. I gotta... <laughs> exactly, and no one's ever felt them before. Yeah, and I got to get them out somehow. I got to write. At least that's how I was. That's... <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, no that that's how I that's definitely how I was. And I mean, I had I had another added little caveat on there of being adopted, which I mean, I have fantastic parents, biological and adoptive, but when when you're raised in a home that not only isn't wired like you, but is wired completely opposite of you, it's really hard to get a grip on what your personal normal is, what your own baseline is and, you know, your own barometer. And so for a really long time, and it sounds so cliche, but the the only way I could identify what I was feeling was through music and writing. And so just like sitting down and just blech, onto the paper mm-hmm. and then going back and reading it and being like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Or going back and be like, oh no, I was way <laughs> off. Like that is not at all. But you know, that's, I guess that's part of teenage everything. Yeah. If, if you, I don't know, keep that stuff inside, then it starts to eat away with you, eat, eat away at you. It starts oh, to, to weigh you down. Absolutely. I've always said that, um, that stuff like that, um, calcifies and literally stays in your body and it's very hard to carry around and then you have all kinds of things that stem from that you know in the form of self-medication or escape avoidant behavior or toxic relationships or you know whatever and that's that's not anything I mean life's like that enough as it is I'm not I'm not trying to willingly plant that shit in my own body so <laughs> But then again, there are people who will do this stuff, who will be like poets and musicians and stuff, and then still do that stuff in their life. So it's like, wait a minute, what do you, huh? That doesn't make any sense. Or at least, you know, right. in one sense. But then it could just be saying, oh, we're all people. If you are going to go that way, then it doesn't matter if you do right or not. It's, you know. Yep. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. They yes perform with Jim Carroll on this song. He uh, he does the lyrics, and uh, they have uh, drummer Chris Friel performing with them on this, and he's from the band yeah. Goodness and uh, Rockfords. Boy, I was redeemed. 
So I didn't even know that until today when I was researching stuff. And I was like, well, who should have been the drummer then? It would have been like the Jack Irons days, right? Yeah, it would have been like right right when he was joining the band or he just started with him or it was right in the, uh, in the, um, the transition there for when they were recording it in that time frame. They also, Pearl Jam actually played it um, for self-pollution. Yes, some outtake or something like that. That's not on the official... Or like not official, but on the uh, on the releases of it, they have the whole thing. Right, didn't didn't make it to the recording. And from what I can tell from you know the video that's on YouTube, it looks like Jack's behind mm-hmm. the set. So it kind of is an actual Pearl Jam song then, or a Pearl Jam cover in that in that capacity. A tag in porch really in the middle of it yeah they they uh in uh february 95 in uh, one of the japanese shows they are playing porch and in the middle they kind of transition in their jam into a catholic boy well, i want to hear that now Which is interesting because the movie wasn't even out yet at that point. So that must have been like right around 
the actual recording time. Yeah, they were probably they probably recorded it before before '95, before the year turned over. Like at some and at some point, probably before the release of Vitology. Then, since they would have had Jack with them uh, to record "Stupid Mob," and then an album came out in December, November, December. So, which is so weird that there's that much time between like recording and release. Oh yeah, you record it and then you just kind of okay. Hey, you guys do the mixing and everything like that. And if it's not like something that's for one of your releases, then it's kind of like you just do it and hand it off, and then you know they put it on whenever they put it on. Figure out where it's going to go in the movie, all that sort of stuff. That's true. I guess you would have to have it. I didn't really think about that angle. I was thinking soundtrack purposes, even though I literally had just said, oh, it's in the opening credits. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, Deborah, you're going to need to have it recorded before you <laughs> put the movie together. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I definitely have teacher summer brain at the moment. No, that's all right. This is, hey, it's just, it's it's not rocket science. It's just Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it can be pretty complicated and intricate depending on how deep you want to dive into it. So then, so then let's get deep and dive into this, I guess. I don't know. This, yeah, this song sort of, um, is like, I guess, uh, Jim Carroll's origin story then, I guess. Right. Whereas, uh, it would be the alive to, uh, his mama son trilogy, I guess. I don't know. And then people who died would be probably then the once. Okay. So then what's the third? Oh, I don't know. I don't know enough of this Dang stuff. Dang it. I thought you <laughs> got this saying... metaphor all the way through, man. Oh, of course not. I don't know. I don't know what his other album was or anything like that. I just, it, when we, when we talked about this first time to, to get, um, to get you on to talk about this episode, I didn't know that, that there was a Jim Carroll version of him by himself. I thought this was just a song that he wrote and that he had Pearl Jam play with him. I was like, oh no, he had a whole, uh, had a whole ass album that had this song on it. Oh. Yeah. He had several albums i think but again kind of like leonard the leonard cohen thing i prefer his words to his music <laughs> which sounds terrible but yeah so kind of just goes on with his uh you know being pretty much being born i guess and uh then being raised in the in the church and just him always sort of uh i guess always on the uh i don't know on the suffering side well, that's what I was going to say. And even and even based on the movie, and I know that I know that movies aren't always completely representative of real life, but um even in this kind of a scenario where it's, you know, written by the written by the person that it's actually about. I mean, it seems like and I I've never gone to Catholic school. I've I think I've been to a Catholic church service once with a friend in like high school or something. So I don't know the ins and outs of of how all that shit works, but it seems like when he was raised, it was definitely still more like corporal punishment mode. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, there's a lot of repression in churches in general, but it seemed like even more repression and he was a little wild, <laughs> to put it mildly. And so there's going to be even more dissonance between what what they wanted him to be and who he actually was but yeah it looks like it was really not a good experience for him aside from the fact that he of course got to play basketball but so I'm not surprised I'm not surprised at at the tone of the song and the lyrics and how he relates being born like how he ties that into like heaven and hell and angels and demons and and all that stuff because 
that who you are, especially as a, as a kid in school, that informs how you see your life. And it sounds very much like he did not identify with any of that at all. And so then revolted against it. I feel like I just went way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just all over the place today? Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's uh, the, the, yeah, pretty much the only stuff I really know about religion is uh, from the Apocrypals podcast. I wish more people could do that. I think, I think your podcast people are onto it. Anyways, back to the topic that, um, we we don't know a whole lot about religion. That's true. <laughs> well, the song is called Catholic Boy, so we talk That's about true. religion I'm a little bit. Just, so you know, it is. But if we have a three hour conversation it's, it's, it's for a twenty minute in. podcast, you have a lot of editing to do, my friend. Uh, okay, yeah, you got uh, a point. <laughs> so I'm just uh, I'm, see, you're all yeah. I'm shut up, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I I enjoy the I enjoy the conversation actually. Um, how do, what do we want to do? Do we want to like dissect lyrics or do we want to like dissect the differences or? Uh, I don't know. I think that, I, mean, I think that sort of the musically, they're both pretty much the same. The Pearl Jam version, I think sounds a little bit more modern than a, the 1980s, you know, Jim Carroll version. Well, and the vocals are different, right? I'm not tripping. It's not like their music under the old vocals. It sounds no, yeah, like I think he, Jim he re-recorded them. Yeah. Right. And because of that 15-year time difference, to me, I couldn't tell if it was like just the production or if it was actually like the tone of his voice and the texture of his voice was different. And it almost sounded, I mean, it sounded better in general also because it wasn't like a late 70s, early 80s kind of styling to it but it almost sounded more legit mm -hmm. like it, it fit the song better because even though you're right the the musician the musicianship does sound super super similar you know i kept trying to to see if i could pick out like a mccready riff or you know if you could hear yeah and i mean jeff's bass line is always prominent which i love yeah, yeah but i don't know that i would have ever heard it and been like oh this is pearl jam you know whereas like the the mirror ball stuff with neil young see and i i dig that i really dig when when pearl jam the band backs somebody else the singer because i think so many people get you know laser focused on ed and it's like which i get but He's one of how many, you know, depending on which era you're looking at. And I don't know. I, I really, I really dig stuff like this where, where Ed's taken out of the equation and you can listen to the musicianship and you, you get to hear how they compliment someone else as well. Yeah. But then it was really cool to be able to see the, the video for the self pollution one too, and kind of have that contrast. Yeah. And then you have the uh, traditional Ed not knowing lyrics <laughs> kind of that's true too <laughs> and the even more recently current drunk ed with the super fast yeah. <laughs> with super fastness fastness that sounds so weird with the sped up versions of everything live and then doesn't know the words on top of it <laughs> oh man yeah i don't know because it, if it's if it's not pearl jam lyrics i don't really know how relevant the a dissection of them are or whatever that's true um and you know what i should have done and i i didn't was um was see how ed delivered them 
Like I wasn't really making notes on that when I was watching the self-pollution one, but I am, I am kind of curious. I don't know that we could ever even answer this, but I am, I am kind of curious, like why, why that song? Like, did they pick that this is the song they wanted to do? Is this the song that Jim asked them to do? And like, what was their draw to it? If it was a draw. Yeah. And it wasn't their, it wasn't their record label either. So it's, it's probably not something that they were like, Hey, can you guys do put something on the soundtrack? Because, you know, Hey, you're Sony and you know, this is Sony or whatever like that. I don't know if they would ever feel pressured like that or anything like that. But I mean, that might have something to do with uh, them being on the single soundtrack, but I'm not sure about this one. Well, but singles, when did singles come out? It was 92. I believe that's what I was going to say 92 or early 93. So see by 94, 95, they had already kind of made their stance of like, we're kind of doing what the fuck we want to do. Not that their label had no say, but, um, you know, Jim Carroll as a poet and a musician, but I would, I would almost say, especially as a poet really seems like an outlier, which is something that, that the band I feel would be kind of drawn to. So, I mean, I could see them, you know, striking up a mutual friendship and appreciation of each other's work since they both, you know, are popular around the same time and kind of went about things in similar-ish ways. But I don't know. I'd be very curious to find out how this whole thing came to be. Yeah, and I know that um, with the Home Alive compilation that they would end up uh, being on and stuff like that, there was a lot of poets that had their work on that as well. And some of that stuff found their way into, um, into uh, uh, self pollution radio. So there could be some sort of poetry community thing that they kind of got into either from Jim Carroll or some of these other people that they could have been following and everything like that from home alive, that kind of linked them through that as well. That's a really good point is, was Jim Carroll on the Home Alive? Because that was all for uh, Mia Zapata, which she was up in Seattle, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I can totally see how that might be like a bridge between them for sure. But like getting them into like the the beat Nikki, I don't even know if that's the right reference, but like, you know, like the, the spoken poetry word. writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the counterculture, the underground scene because i mean that is right around the time that they really kind of were i mean ed especially i think trying to get back to their diy punk rockish roots i mean <laughs> look at the whole 95 tour in general <laughs> so yeah i could i could see how somebody like carol would stand out to them yeah i don't believe that jim carol was on the home alive album i mean we do have a vast knowledge see right in front of us in our computers I oh yeah that's I'm what i'm looking at too right hard now. To look. oh you are okay <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. well i just looked it up well, let's see um nirvana pearl jam soundgarden oh yeah that's what leaving here is from mm-hmm. nope yeah but that uh what was that yeah this yeah this came out in 95 home alive came out in 95 so did catholic boy or uh, basketball diaries so it could all been the whole thing just a coincidence, I guess, or just spoken word and poetry, people being around and everything like that and them getting connected that way. Or maybe they were just a fan and they were like, hey, they're making a movie of uh, Basketball Diaries? Cool. We want to get in on that. Man, I want to know. 
Why doesn't why doesn't someone have this already researched and written out? Come on, isn't this on like two feet thick or five horizons or something? Like, come on, y'all. Didn't you do the legwork at yes, some point? Exactly. So that then it's I can just look somewhere. it up and put it on the podcast. Hey, maybe if somebody else knows, hey, just send an email in and then uh Seriously, if someone knows the backstory. Yes. Tell me the backstory. I need to know. So then I mean, we talked about the movie. We talked about the song. What else is there? I feel bad, but I'm like, what else is there? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. No, I mean, that's it's it's pretty much what it is. I mean, like this, I don't think this is like one of the huge songs that, you know, this, of course, was something that I had to track down. It's like, oh, you know, got to get the CD because it's got a it's got Pearl Jam involvement. And oh, hey, it's got a, a Soundgarden B-side on there, too. So need that as well right Soundgarden. what are you talking about on the on the uh, basketball diary soundtrack see how do i not know this yeah it's the last song on there blind dogs see okay i don't know i don't <laughs> even know i need to look that up now too i don't think i ever had the soundtrack i think i just always oh, listen really? to the movie yeah you know what oh. i probably do have it because oh i don't know it's probably in a box in the garage honestly i'll have to give that one a listen again yeah, I think that's pretty much it with this song. I, I feel like it's... we need to wrap it up a little better than that, though. <laughs> like, there's there's got to no, be a nicer no, bow no, we can tie around it. <laughs> no, that's 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 okay. how I do it here. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't always have to uh, have a awesome resolution that you know is a callback that ties up to the beginning of it or anything like that. Sometimes it just it just fizzles out and you know that's okay that's you know the, the you you kind of you know seek out some of the obscure bizarre stuff because you got to be completionist or whatever and then you do it and you you buy it you're like yes i got it and you listen to it and you're kind of like yeah okay it didn't change the world or anything it's ah, all right i got it now that's <laughs> that, that's pretty much it's it like, it's we, like oh, we checking get to... it off my list that's exactly what I was going to say. We get to tick that box and move on. <laughs> yep, that's it. How how else can I can I claim to cover all their songs if I don't do this one? So that's <laughs> if you, exactly if you don't do all of yeah. their songs that were released commercially and under exactly. Well, under could the you imagine project. doing all? No, of No, yeah, that's songs? that's uh, yeah, some of uh, the uh, slightly ridiculous improvs and yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. It's <laughs> too much stuff. To try well, to track down. I was oh, I would imagine you can't you can't learn all of it. Um, I was really happy in my own little bow tying ending. Um, I was really happy um that there was a video recording of of all of Pearl Jam playing it for self pollution, mm -hmm. which was super cool. And then learning what you said about them tagging it onto porch in Japan in '95 or something like that. I'm going to have to go check that out now. See, we thought that we knew everything there was to know about what seemed like a very superficial song, and then you learn something new every day. Hey, get some extra bonus stuff. Exactly. And then, who? And like I said, there might be somebody out there who knows the actual story of uh, oh, dear God, how they yes. hooked up with Jim Carroll, and if there Please is a connection between that and Home Alive or whatever. And I feel like my friend Calvin would know. I should have hit him up. If <laughs> if I learn about it before anyone mails in, I will let you know. <laughs> okay. Deal. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this up uh, by I'll ask you if there's something you think that people should do to try to uh, 
to spread kindness to uh, to other people out there in the world? Honestly, at the point that we're at right now in the world, I I would say that if we if we are focusing on our differences, we're going to find them. And if we focus on our similarities, we're going to find those too. And um, to quote the amazing Ani DeFranco, I know there is strength in the differences between us and I know there is comfort where we overlap. And I think that if we all if we all took that to heart, I think we would just inherently be a little kinder to each other in general. Yeah, heck yeah. See? <laughs> Good under pressure. <laughs> because I didn't remind you. That's uh, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that exact same thing. I'm really good under pressure. And honestly, if if I had been reminded, there's a lot of overthinking that goes into that. And when something is just presented to me, it's easier to. I know it's gonna sound weird. It's easier to open the portal in my head to what might be just flying around in the universe and you know, a concept that needs a conduit to voice it. And I love being that conduit. So it was actually, it worked out really well this time. Hell yeah. There we go. Thanks for coming on, Jebra. Thank you for having me. I love doing it. Oh, good. Yeah, me too. And I'll, uh, and I'll talk to you later about some song that maybe we'll have a little bit more to say <laughs> than this one. <laughs> a little more personal connection to you, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Deborah, and as always, this is Brandon saying, I'm sorry, MB, but I'm having trouble with this character. Is he supposed to have some kind of neurological impairment like Rain Man or Awakenings?